Hello and welcome to this episode of The Gaming Podcast. The Gaming Podcast is the official podcast of Gaming Magazine, which looks at the video game world with a queer twist. You can check out more from Gaming Magazine by visiting www.gamingmag.com. That's G-A-Y-M-I-N-G mag.com. New episodes of The Gaming Podcast come out every two weeks. If you're new to the podcast, please click subscribe so you don't miss another episode. On the show today, I am joined by Matt Cameron, a freelance writer, and Miabyte, uh, our Twitch, our resident Twitch streamer. Hello. Hello. Did I get that right? Yeah, Miabyte. Yeah. Miabyte. Yeah. 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 Cool. That works. How are we? <laughs> Very festive. Very festive. Very, so, so festive. Yeah. Full of festive cheer. I'm I'm festive to the max. You festive in a, in a very nineties. Are, are we festived out? I'm I'm too festive. I've eaten too much and I I I feel full constantly stuffed. now. That's festively it. stuffed. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you haven't gathered already, this episode is our end of year episode. Uh, we're going to be looking back on the year and the decade that is closing out in a few days' time. Um, how are we feeling about end of end of year, end of decade? Even are we excited for the twenty twenty ones? What do you even call the twenty twenties? Well, if it's if it's been anything like the twenty tens, <laughs> I saw on the news today that somebody put like ten years ago, Barack Obama was at the end of his first year. This was really cool. Nobody even knew the word Brexit, um, and something else was really positive as well. And I'm like, oh god, can't we just go back to that time? <laughs> well, at least uh, in terms of gaming, the twenties. Uh, Looks bright. At least yes, there's you're so right. many cool games well going out. Well done year. for bringing it back. New on topic. hardware, new hardware, new games. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk about this much later, but I was just really quickly. Um, there's a great resource out there called the LGBTQ Video Game Archive. It's on the internet. It's a great mm-hmm. thing. Um, uh, run by a lady called Ariane Shaw. She uh, basically sort of collates um, a load of research around LGBT video gaming. In the build-up to the prep for our uh, Queer Games of the Decade piece, which is what we're going to talk about at the end of the podcast, there was, um, she's basically laid out all the sort of queer games that, or games which have queer content that happen between 20, every year in the, in the 2010s. I think off the top of my head, and I probably should have researched this, but at the top of the list in the 2010, there was 30 entries. By 2018, there was 270 entries for the year. Oh my god! Which sort of shows the development. That's and it, great. It, even prepping that article with Amy, it really, really shocked me mm-hmm. how far in 10 years we have come in terms of just pure LGBT representation in games. And that is really, really, really wholesome. Yeah, it really does feel like at least, I, I don't even think it's the last decade, but like within the last five years, there's been so much progress Very much made. so, yeah. yeah. Mm. It, I mean, t- take a look at that list online, and you're absolutely right. 2010, 30-odd games. 2011, 50-odd games. 2012, sort of 50-odd games again. 2013, as you say, the last five years or so, it jumped in, I think it was either 2013 or 2014, one of those two, it jumped up to like a hundred odd entries straight away, and it really sort of got to a point where it just felt like everything started to sort of go and really start rolling. Yeah, I think it's it's almost in a way a bit of a sort of resistance movement because the more that like the online trolls push back against like any queer or female or diverse representation in games, the more developers are putting in. It's yeah. kind of like an fu, you know, to, absolutely. To, Go back to a phrase from the 60s and 70s, we're here, we're queer, we're playing games. Absolutely. And I think there's probably, I mean, there's a much bigger conversation to be had about this, but I think as well, it, it's, it's a representation of the changing workforce in the industry as well. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. the industry has, has obviously had its problems and, and still to this day continues to have its problems. 
But I think it certainly reflects over the last 10 years or so the, the sort of much more diverse people that are in the room while these the games are being developed saying we need to do this, we need to do that. I think it's uh, it's there's also something to be said about like the new generation, I guess, of people coming into the industry mm. who are much more accepting and, and have more diverse opinions being able to create newer more genuine experiences yes I, I think that's absolutely true and i think it's more i think people being more vocal in general mm-hmm. whether it's people coming into the industry or players or whatever and a lot of people just saying this isn't good enough we need more there needs to be more diversity why isn't this happening and just um earlier this month you had uh, coffee stain studios the mm-hmm. publishers yep. of um goat simulator yep. announced they're like investing specifically in a um a diversity fronted mm-hmm. studio which is hugely positive. Absolutely. And we have, um, and I think I've spoken about it before, but also the, the new publisher on the block, uh, Modern Wolf, mm. um, who set out to, who have set their stall out, I should say, as being pro-diversity in terms of mm. the developing teams they work with. Yeah. I'm interested to see what comes from Coffee Stain's um, mm. new studio, because it, it's called Cavalry, and their first game is called Equestrian the Game, which is billed as the Believable Horse Game. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. The Believable Horse Game. <laughs> the Believable Horse I mean, T- Game. Tell me more. Tell me more about this Believable Horse it. Game. As opposed to the Untrustworthy Horse Game. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we've had, you know, Untitled Goose Game, and now yeah. we've got Believable Horse Game. Um, and know, I, ju- I just want to see, f- you know, more, you know... Random Ra- animal random game. Animal yeah. Game. I'm flummoxed to what that actually could be. Is like, is it, do you play it as the horse? Do you tame horses? I'm, I'm kind of interested to see. The unfathomable penguin game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The unpredictable Malamute game. Yeah, you could get really, yeah, mm. you, you could get really sort of really random with it, mm. couldn't you? Or just yeah. a cat game where you just go around being an arsehole. Oh, that exists. I, well, it's life, yeah. isn't it? No, no, no the, the, there's, I, I cannot remember the name of it, but there's a developer that did basically cat the game and you just go around being a cat oh no it's, it's just come out hasn't it um okay, okay put, I it, think no, put it a different way maybe not th- th- there's definitely a game that's either just coming out or is coming out that's the same thing either just come out or coming out <laughs> that is just exploring the world as cats I- i've seen really? the trailer i've seen um, the trailer no, for it, like I, this I real I, form i think i know what you're talking about but the one i'm remembering was from four or five years ago um, oh, I see. and I remember seeing it on I think Kickstarter I don't know if it yeah. ever actually came out but uh, um, <laughs> I don't think people want reminding about yeah. cats being an arsehole knocking shit off the <laughs> all the time um, so how did we get through Christmas how was how, I mean to be honest with you for me I had one of my Christmas presents which, which in the last episode was on my Christmas list so Santa granted me one of my presents off my Christmas list uh, which was Luigi's Mansion um, and I've had an absolute ball playing that because it's like pure Nintendo horror. And, uh, you know, appropriately Christmassy. And uh, horrendously festive. Mm. Yeah, um, definitely. I can't think of anything more festive than... No, exactly. Um, a hotel. So, yes, a hotel of ghosts in mm-hmm. sort of festively Halloween-y. Mm. And they're all camp. And I know, Matt, you wrote a great article for gaming. Yeah. I'm just going to plug this one for a second about the gay ghosts of uh, Luigi's Mansion. Yeah, I mean, if you go through all the boss ghosts, they're absolutely, canonically, I insist, <laughs> various shades of queer. Absolutely, and there was the one, um, uh, was it Chambrea, Chambrea, the, cha- oh, the, chamber, the, the chambermaid who, ghost. Who looks, who looks exactly yeah. like uh, a bag, bag of chips, chips from Drag Race UK in her um, maid yeah. performance. Yeah, the Downton yeah. Abbey performance. Yeah. Much better. Yeah. yeah, But, you know, Chambrea's probably not a Tory, so. Yeah, true. Which, you can't win them all, can you? Um, so that was my Christmas spent on the sofa, eating far too much food and... Uh, 
And yeah, what about you, Mia? I uh, Well, I dipped into all sorts. I actually played a little bit at Luigi's Mansion. Haven't gotten very far yet. So uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was an interesting experience. Um, but I mostly like spent it just like dipping in and out of like Switch games because that's pretty much all I had with me. Stayed at my grandmother's. Um, so it was, it, I played a little bit of Hollow Knight too. That was a lot of fun. That's Very cool. dark, a beautiful game mm. though. Like I love my Metroidvanias, mm. but like exploring like the caverns and stuff. I wish I was better at the game though. That's the only thing. Like I definitely wish I was better at that game. Um, so I, I did that, but getting away from family is so difficult. Um, I also saw the uh, new Star Wars as well at the cinema. Um, and that was um, <laughs> sorry. I'm just looking. We'll, we'll come at, to that later. I'm just looking over yeah. at our producer there, just frantically scrambling for the for the volume button on his speaker because obviously we're about to talk about Star Wars and he I hasn't seen it yet. Seen it yet. Yeah. I'll permit three minutes of conversation on Star Wars. Um, Starting now. God, it's awful. Oh, it's it's not it's not great. Um, it, I've, you know what? I, I'll say what I. I said my quick review is um, it's um, it's great that we've gotten to the point where we can create an algorithm that can search the web for fan fiction and <laughs> theories and then just mesh those into a workable script. It's it's really it's amazing. The J.J. Abrams algorithm. Exactly. The J.J. Abrams <laughs> algorithm. I mean, OK, spoilers alert. Very big spoilers alert. Please turn it off now. Leave the room. Do whatever you have to do. Waiting for the door to close for the producer. Right, why the hell was she a Palpatine? Yeah. And also, if she's going to be a Palpatine, oh. like, if she's going to be his granddaughter, he was already, like, 90 in the prequel Who trilogy. had sex with him? Well, like, he sh- if, if they're going to go that line, she should have been at least his great or possibly great-great-granddaughter. Just... Like, the, the timeline doesn't match. No, it, my, my biggest problem, with this, whole, problems. with this whole trilogy, I think, has been... I genuinely... I love the new characters. I think Ray, Finn, Poe, Rose, all of them are great... Mm-hmm. And they've essentially been given varying shades of duff material to work with. The best thing about um, the, re- the recent trilogy was The Last Jedi. Yeah, absolutely. Because they ripped up the... Rian Johnson came in and went, right, screw all this. Screw your Star Wars stuff. Screw everything. We're going to go in a slightly different direction. No, she's not the special one. No, she's not related to the same bloody bloodline that's been in one corner of the galaxy. That Yet yeah, that's all the stories we can tell for the last bloody 40-odd years. Mm-hmm. No, she's not special. No, you're not special. And there are lights and darks to everybody. Mm. And I genuinely felt that's where they're kind of pushing to with this, which is the whole, you can, the future of Star Wars is a bit of light and a bit of dark. You don't have to have this sort of mix. Ultimately, the message in The the Last Jedi was that the the Jedi Order was as toxic as the Sith. Their their rigidity and their rejection of emotion mm-hmm. and of family and of bonds was as bad yeah. as the hate and rage Absolutely. and obsession of the dark yeah. side and it felt like even from the force awakens that maz kanata had been introduced as sort of like an alternate yoda to mm-hmm. teach like a third path of the force that's it and i genuinely and felt like it's that's just been wiped away in this whole trilogy Rise of Skywalker. i genuinely felt that's exactly the path that we're treading yeah which was this is meant to be we need to get over the fact that this is all light versus dark and that beautifully 80s good wins over evil sort of storytelling mm-hmm. and just settle on this. Everyone's got a bit of light and a bit of dark. Everyone lives happily ever after. Job and it, done. as you were saying, Mia, the, the really upsetting part is that it's it feels like um, Abrams has come back in and gone like, now that last film, forget about it. Like yeah. even having Luke come back and say like I was wrong, yep. it just feels like a slap in the face to Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are things that I... 
I, I'm torn on in uh, on The Last Jedi. Some things that happened I, I vehemently did not like. Other things I did like, but I did like the element of nuance that I actually introduced there, saying exactly. that there isn't always a bad person, there isn't always yeah. a good person, people are com- complicated, and the Force could be the same way. And that was really what I thought they were going to be going for in this last one too, going for the, the grey Jedi idea. Mm. But like right at the end, you just have her, no, I'm, you know, light side user. It's all, you know, blue lightsaber. She has her like, her new lightsaber color. Yellow. Which, yellow. Which um, if anybody, if you, if you were going to do what you think they would do, it would be like a white blade. You go the uh, Ahsoka Tano. I don't know if you... Well, it's either that or... Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Yeah. She she left the Jedi Order. Yeah. Quick yeah, quick thing. We're spoiling she everything. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah, I know. Turn off now, otherwise we're gonna start bloody ruining everything. Should, yeah. should we wrap I, up the Star Wars ranting? Uh, two Probably. seconds. Okay. I thought I thought the lightsaber should be purple, because that's halfway between red and blue, but then of course mm. that would raise questions about Mace Windu. Um but yeah, no, I, I just think the biggest problem I had was the fact that uh, The Force Awakens was a direct ripoff of A New Hope. And then mm-hmm. Rian Johnson tries to do something actually good. And then JJ comes back going, right, hold my beer. Um, and basically just brings back the whole of, um, in a sense, if you think about it, it's Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Um, because it's, again, somebody battling the Emperor, light winning versus over dark, and uh, the lead characters related to a baddie. Yeah. I and, mean, and it, the entire beats come straight back. And it's, it's just... It's also capitulating to the fans because of like an element of fear of not being able to sell the film as well, which is well, there's disappointing. That, but there's also one of the most insidious things I absolutely hated about it was the fact that they erased um, a wonderfully diverse uh, Asian character. Right. Yeah, Rose. Um, she had to go study though. She she had to go study because the fanboys hated her. She now, she gets sidelined and just gets mm-hmm. stuck on the naughty step helping Leia out, uh, and that's it. So she literally—it was like, very like Poochie from The Simpsons. I must go. My planet needs me. Yeah, literally. Yeah. No, the whole thing was just like, and, and it, it that move in itself kind of spelt the entire sort of downfall of that mm. whole movie. And, and Kelly Marie Tran was treated appallingly by the fan base. Like, Utterly appalling. Pounded off social yeah. media, and she. And like, the last thing she needs media, is to have a re- to have a, and then have her role taken away yeah, from her. If you saw her social media on the lead into the Last Jedi, it, she was so like excited and yeah. wholesome, and like genuinely loved being part of Star Wars, and then you know driven off. And I know I just said we should wrap up on Star Wars, but can we just talk for like one minute on how actually like structurally as a film badly made Rise of Skywalker? Oh, I know, super. The, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. edits are all over the place. It jumps. It's incoherent. It's got more plot holes than it has plot. It, it was written by. It felt like it was written by a twelve-year-old fanboy on his fourth cup of coffee. Yeah, because that, certainly the first half of the film was they're over there that's happening she goes over there look they have to go and find a dagger now I'm going to go and do this oh no now he's doing this now cut to this cut to that cut to this and it's Mm -hmm. like what are you doing just take a breath I think it had some interesting ideas it was just extremely convoluted and badly executed and there was no impact either because it's like C-3PO playing the ultimate sacrifice to get the code out but don't worry his memory is restored two seconds later that happened several times throughout the film with like loads of different characters you killed Chewie oh no he's on a different ship taken off out of a desert and you didn't see another ship taking off Kylo Ren got stabbed oh wait no he's fine and suddenly everyone and everyone's suddenly healing each other with the force all of a sudden. Yeah. It's like you're not dead, you're back. And that bloody oh. kiss. Oh d- no, don't we're not even going there. What on earth was happening at the end of that film? Yeah. I mean it was endgame. 
So exactly right. Yeah. I'm just going to wave to the producer. <laughs> it's safe. You may return. Okay. Excellent. Um, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed that. That was that was, it was cathartic. That was, yeah, was genuine. Mm-hmm. I really needed that. Um, we are going to be back with what's hot on Gay and Magazine right after this break. <laughs> Amy, you love yourself some merch, don't you? Yes, I love some merch. Well, brace yourself, we now have gaming merch. Ooh. Yes, indeed. We have caps, t-shirts, hoodies, bags, and so much more with three amazing designs. We have the gaming magazine logo design, alongside two really cool wordy designs, one saying game on and one saying let's go gaming. And yes... That is with the Y in the middle of those words. They sound awesome and I want them all. Well, Amy, you and all of our UK and EU listeners can head to gamingmag.com forward slash merch. That's G-A-Y-M-I-N-G mag.com forward slash merch right now and go shopping. It's Christmas coming up too, don't forget. So go treat yourself and your gamer friends. Gamingmag.com forward slash merch, you say? Yes, indeed. Gamingmag.com forward slash merch. Welcome back. Uh, I'm here with Matt and Mia. Um, this segment is called Best of Gaming, where we talk about our pick of the latest stories from Gaming Magazine. Again, something slightly different. It's our end of the year special. Now, as some of you hopefully all know and hopefully have voted, we've been running our Game of the Year uh, contest on gaming these past couple of weeks. And I'm very excited uh, that we get to reveal the winner of the public vote. Uh, not right now. Uh, to build up tension... <laughs> Well, I thought, Drum we'd, have, I thought we'd have a very. Uh, well, <laughs> let's hear the nominees and have a very quick two-second chat about each one. Um, we have just spoken about the first nominee, which is Luigi's Mansion Three, um, which I think various people across gaming. I, I should say, actually, just to backtrack two seconds, um, the nominee list is derived from all of our contributors. So a lot of people were asked to contribute their game of the year, and I know you two uh, contributed your lists, mm-hmm. um, and then we kind of pulled together a sort of master list of. Uh, most nominated games and this is what we're left with uh, so yeah so ed reviewed uh, luigi's mansion early in the year obviously uh, matt you did a great thing about the ghosts it's a really cool game it's really good fun and i believe it's we won some awards at the game awards as well yes did it get best family game or is that something else well at least it wasn't ring fit that got it because i don't understand why ring <laughs> fit was even nominated as a family game to start off with but there you go <laughs> that name is mm. just, no that's a wholesome that's a wholesome <laughs> name uh, next on the list um, of our nominees is Sayonara Wild Hearts. Great music game. Um, tells things very differently. Described as a, a video game pop album. Um, Ed, again, is a huge proponent of of music in video games. And yeah, it's and got some fantastic visuals. I've yeah, seen, yeah. It, it's, it's really sort of, it's very graphically beautiful. Uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield. Um, despite, obviously, little contra- controversies. Um, but obviously, in, in the real world, um, I think it did a fairly admirable job mm. of, of being a, a good people game. People complaining on the internet are sometimes yeah. wrong. How strange is that? Weird. Uh, the Outer Worlds, not the Outer Wilds, the Outer Worlds. The Outer Worlds. Um, which I think it's it, it's interesting. I mean, I sort of have spoken about its, its benefits and, and its positives in the past. Um, obviously, from our point of view, and I'm talking in the sort of an LGBT sort of sense, it does have a really, really well done uh, asexual character in Pavati, uh, voiced by the lovely Ashley Birch. Um, I think there's been some thoughts about it being not exactly sort of breaking out and being uh, something exciting and new, but it seems Well, it to is be essentially Fallout in space, but it's Fallout yes. in space done really, really well. And it's also quite short, which I never see as a bad thing. Because I think so many games these days ramble on for like 10, 12, 15, 20 hours of 
nonsensical kind of gameplay with loads of cutscenes and everything else. Whereas this is very much a game that you can get into, have some fun, and get out of. Yeah, I mean that don't give up on the idea of like replay value in that game though, because you can you can build out your character. Mm, absolutely, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, I mean the. It's fully sort of obviously it's all fully customizable with loads of different skill trees and everything else. Yeah, so. as I said last time I was on, like you could play the game essentially as like a blast everyone's head off mm. first person shooter Absolutely. if you spec your character that way. Yep. Or you can play it as like a Metal Gear Solid in space stealth game. Yep. And also you can do it as a complete liar because you can obviously yeah. have all your persuades and yeah. and whatever else and just try and sort of like schmooze your way around the place. Or you well. can reduce your intelligence points at the beginning and get the dumb dialogue <laughs> unlocks, which is hilarious. I haven't done that bit yet. Uh, next on the list is uh, Plague Tale. Oh, that was fantastic. Uh, it's it's certainly a game that's gone under the radar. A, a lot of people missed it. Um, so if anybody hasn't heard of it, it's um, set in 14th century France, uh, middle of the Black Death, plaguing Europe, um, war between England and France. Uh, rather brilliantly, you can play it with original French dialogue and English subtitles, so mm. it's that oh, bit lovely. more immersive. Yeah. Um, but it's just a really good... Uh, strongly narrative game, really good puzzle solving, mm. shies away from combat for the most part, which is, you know, to its benefit. Yes. Um, just fantastic. And, and it very, very emotionally mm. engaging. Um, yeah, more very people good. should play it. Uh, next on the list is uh, Honk. <laughs> the Untitled Goose Game, um, which has been obviously mopping up awards left, right and centre mm. throughout the entire year that it's been out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, it's one of those games like most times when a game gets a load of like pre-release hype and gets memed to mm. infinity it doesn't deliver and then this actually did and I think it delivered purely because it's the most simple one of the most simple games yeah. it's been that's been developed and this, I think this is a bit of an aside um, but like I would say like I was when watching the game awards that whole slog that I went through the only good part of that was the 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 entire goose game bits? That's that's it with the bit with the Muppets. I don't know if you you saw it. It's hilarious. Yeah, like anything where there's just a goose terrorizing people. That Absolutely, makes me happy. My, my favorite little factoid about Untitled Goose Game is it actually got a title in Japan, and it's oh. um, <laughs> uh, which is uh, here is the here is the mischievous goose. Okay, mm. very good. So it's not quite untitled then. It, it's most subtitled entitled. goose game. Subtitled goose game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next on the list is um, my absolute favourite. Um, for those regular listeners, it's is it a Lego game? No, it's Fire Emblem. <laughs> <laughs> Fire Emblem Three Houses, which I've never had anything bad to say about. Mm -hmm. No, it's no. complete lie. <laughs> um, I I am surprised it keeps cropping up. I get it. I I really okay. I get it comes up on lists all the time as being a good game, and it is mm -hmm. a very very good game. But I, I, but it bothers me. I guess um, maybe I'm overthinking it. But it, it bothers me as an LGBT person, given the sort of roller coaster that it put us through. It put the site through our site. It put our readers through and and our fans through, with the preview suggesting that it finally offering a fire emblem with many romance options in different ways and shapes and forms. And then it swerves at the end. And then it takes release. a massive swerve and it pulls into the mass, mm. the biggest cocktees I've seen for a long time. Um, and just sort of like dumps a load of crap all over you. Mm. But maybe I'm missing something. I, I think simply it's the fact that a lot of um, a lot of queer gamers overlap heavily with anime fans. It's an anime-styled game. It's also an incredibly good turn-based RPG. Mm. So mechanically, I think a lot of people are overlooking it for its its benefits there, rather than the fact that it it swerves on you know, 
truly positive queer representation. Yeah, I think when you like look at it in the uh, guise of it's basically a Persona game, but Fire Emblem, I think that draws in a lot of uh, people from very different diverse audiences as well. So mm. Mm. no, I, I I get it. I guess it's just it. it it was just a real letdown with with what they did, and in some ways, just be an amazing game and just don't don't try to do that. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Don't just don't even offer if you don't want to do it. Don't even put it in there as like a teasing sort of. They might be gay, but they're not going to be gay. Just don't do that. Don't do that bit. Still be brilliant. Just don't do that bit. And the last on the list is Life is Strange Two. Mm. Um, obviously, possibly the gayest one on that list. <laughs> Um, has its troubles if you look at it in certain lenses. I know one of our writers, Kenneth, um, had a sort of strong feeling about obviously portraying uh, lesbian relationships as, as super toxic and gay stuff as mm. everyone uh, sort of falling out with everyone and it's really toxic and everything else. And I think that's true to a point, but I, I think it's actually a, a beautifully told story. Mm. One of my um, favourite moments, uh, journalistically, I suppose, uh, I was at E3 the year before the first chapter of Life is Strange 2 um, mm. came out. And uh, I was in a preview session for it. And they were um, demoing, like it was a guided presentation of uh, a section from the first chapter. And they swerve a, um, a same-sex romance dialogue option. And the whole room, because they, they'd <laughs> chosen the dialogue option that was like, we're just friends rather right. than like, we're something more. Um, the, the whole room was like, aww. <laughs> and I, I just felt that was like really wholesome. Well, that's it. And yeah. I, I think that sort of, as you'll find out in a second, I, I think it's actually been sort of like criminally underloved by the community. And yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying that because it has a gay thing in, we should all be playing it and supporting it immediately. But I think equally, is there a role for us to support games that have good positive LGBT representation? Yeah. I guess it's like when you watch films, it's, it, the gay thing's there, that's great, but it's not necessarily to be all and end all. Well, I, I think a lot of um, queer people are still broadly so starved of any kind of media representation that True. there's an element of we take what we can get. Mm. And I think we're kind of approaching a tipping point where we're like, no, that's not good enough. Mm. It, it can't just be there. It can't just be alluded to. Like Rise of Skywalker having this much hyped like LGBT moment <laughs> and it's <laughs> yes. like two unnamed background characters kissing. That's not a spoiler. That's not a spoiler looking at my producer. That's not a spoiler. What, what, <laughs> they're what? not even named. They're irrelevant. That's how They're completely it is. irrelevant. And the best thing about it, I know it's not the best thing at all, it's an awful thing about it, is it's done in such an, um, a cuttable way. Mm. Like for, for the Chinese it's not in, market. Yeah, or it's not it in the background. It's yeah. not mm -hmm. wild key dialogues happening. It's just like, oh, look, there's a couple of gays. Kiss, done which anyone at any point can just chop that out and be, and everyone can be absolutely happy about it. Ugh, whatever. Mm. Um, so uh, with that, that was the list. And here is the announcement of the game of the year. You, may now, you can now drop. It's the Outer Worlds. Well done, Outer Worlds and Obsidian and everything else. Uh, number two, um, by one vote, actually. I'm just looking at the results now. So Outer Worlds. So 142 people voted. Thank you all to you. Um, and winning by one vote is Outer Worlds. Second uh, was Fire Emblem. Yeah. Good for Fire Emblem. Uh, um, the, the, the grimace on your <laughs> face right now, <laughs> yeah. listeners. Uh, uh, third was Pokemon Sword and Shield by actually quite a way back in third. Um, really? It's surprising. I just think gays like Pokemon. Yeah. I think that's just it, really, isn't it? <laughs> There's nothing else. Uh, the amount of gays I know who've got like a Pokemon tattoo of some variety or another. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm engaged to one that's got 
Five or six. I, wow. I have an incredible amount of Pokemon plushies at home. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to test. Fourth is Unentitled Goose. Oh. Well done, everyone. Um, the goose is gay, confirmed. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, has to be, totally. Mm. Um, uh, 16, trying to do mental math in my head. Uh, Luigi's Mansion 3 was next, followed by A Plague Tale. That's good. Uh, Sinai Wild Hearts. And then last, Stone Cold Last with four votes with Life is Strange 2. Mm. Brutal. Which, again, comes back to the, sorry, which comes back to this whole thing about it's I, it's odd. It's it's weird because like I remember like being a Twitch streamer. I I've seen a lot of um, the first Life is Strange being played, but I I remember that when Life is Strange two came out, there was um, there were people I don't know either refusing to play it um, or just n- not seeing it as much. Um, and I think there's because it, there is like an inherent political message in that game, and I think maybe that had an effect of not being as communicative mm. communicative with like certain people because a lot of people do use games as an escapism from everything i guess so it's a bit it's possibly a bit too real yeah the i, I toxic think maybe relationships and everything yeah, else is like maybe something that people don't necessarily want to have to live through yeah which which i'm assuming because i i didn't play it either i'm still wanting to play the first game and that's on my list of games to play before i get into the second one because i'm assuming they're linked but i imagine they're not Maybe. Life is Strange right. 1 and 2. Yeah. And and the middle yeah. one as well. Yeah, you've I know. Uh, the before the Storm. Captain, yeah. Uh, no, there's played. Before the Storm, which is oh. the prequel to the first game, focusing right. on Chloe mm. and someone else. I can't remember <laughs> their name right now. But it's Rachel. Right. Yes. yes. Um, the girl who'd gone missing in the first one. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, there were thoughts about, in, in, in the first game, it, it wasn't really actually confirmed about the LGBT-ness. Mm. Um, and then I think it was a DLC to the first game that at least started to allude to it, but then the prequel f- properly nailed it in as... I mean, like, before the storm was hella gay. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas 2, I think, had a bit more... Um, it, it sort of swerved off into the story mainly around two guys, wasn't it? Or at least a guy and a girl. No, it was, it was three people, wasn't it? And then the, you had the choice to... Love triangle. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you can make up that as you go along. Anywho, well done, The Outer Worlds. Well done, Obsidian. Fallout in Space has just won the Game of the Year. Game Magazine Game of the Year. Woo. Well done, everyone. Um, one last thing uh, on this section in terms of what I've been reading. Um, and I'm afraid I haven't been reading it on Game Magazine. <laughs> I actually read it on gamesindustry.biz, but it was about Game Magazine. So gamesindustry.biz, uh, a couple of days ago, named their 38, odd number, their 38 things about 2019 that actually make it not that bad. Uh, and I'm super, super happy and humble and so honored, really, that uh, the founding of Gaming Magazine uh, made number 12, I don't think is priority-wise, but was on that list. Um, I don't think they numbered it. I'm just taking it as 38 equal first places. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We all get a gold sticker. <laughs> uh, but no, to even, to even be mentioned on that list um, in the industry and be recognized in the industry um, as a good thing for 2019... Um, I am super, super proud of. And a very big shout out to um, my deputy editor, Amy, and our amazing, amazing freelance contributors that have all been working to make this um, the big thing it has been for the last six months. And of course, we're now sat here doing a podcast, which Ooh. is which is crazy. I'm going to stop sl- being slushy now because I'm British. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm super, super proud. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you for reading. And I'm really, really excited to see what 2020 has in store. Thank you for founding. Well, I, I think... Oh, he, he's, he actually just blushed a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's just a, it's just, the, just a little glow. It's yeah. a little glow in the room. But no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm super honoured. I'm, I'm, it, it's 
very humbling that sort of a little thing like this on the LGBT sort of side of the video game industry uh, gets a mention. And I think it comes back to what we were talking about at the top of the show about the the recent advent in the last sort of four or five years of the increase in LGBT ness. Um, I think a magazine coming along, uh, we came along at the right time, we sort of slotted in, and I think amplifying those voices has been a key platform for me as the editor and for, I know Amy as well, making sure that everybody across the spectrum uh, has had their chance to shine in, in whatever way. Uh, and I think that's really cool. That is very cute. And I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm glad to even be a very, very small part of it as well. I, it's so cool to see you taking on these new horizons and, and things like podcasts and just expanding on what it was, uh, just, just becoming such a, uh, a key part, a, a point where people can just congregate and, and actually get that kind of, I think it's servicing something that, that wasn't really there before all that much because mm. like for me personally, I hadn't heard all that much about like LGBTQ specific like online magazines or any kind of content. So it's really nice to actually come and, and have that that all be in one place and just say, oh, this is all the news that I need on anything. So. Absolutely. And I, I think that's what we try to establish with the, from the top was the fact that we're not trying to compete and we don't certainly have the resources mm -hmm. to compete with the other big gaming magazines that exist. Um, Matt, obviously, as a freelance writer for other big titles, you know how it all works. You, there's just sack loads of stuff being done. Obviously, the, all the games that come out on a near daily basis, we'd never be able to keep on top of that. However, what I wanted to offer people was the fact that this would be the pink news to their BBC news, if you know what I mean, to sort of like coin a reference. I, I, I don't want to sort of replace anybody. I want to be that sort Absolutely of ultimate voice. Exactly, yeah. Them, yeah. yeah. I want everybody out there to go and read the news and find out about all the future games that are coming up wherever you do that, but also come and check out Game Magazine um, to see what we do with a sort of slightly queer twist. For, so for the Rainbow Connection. Quite. And we have to stop there, otherwise Disney's going to sue us. <laughs> uh, we will be back in just a minute to talk about this week's hot topic right after this break. Welcome back. I'm still here with Matt and Mia. We always finish up the podcast with the hot topic segment, a small discussion about a big topic. It is the end of the year. It is the end of the decade. And on Gaming Magazine, as of now, uh, we have nominated our queer games of the decade. We mentioned this way back at the top of the show when we said about the, the LGBTQ video game archive and how over 2010s, um, the sort of content has been growing really, really quickly. Um, and this, we felt, was a really good opportunity to highlight at least our choice of kind of like where the most impact of games has come from. We were, obviously, there's, there's been hundreds, and I mean hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of games. So to try to sort of get through this to create a concise list, I think we ended up with 17 odd number. Um, some of them are series, some of them are individual games, some are AAA, some are indies. Um, let's have a quick chat through. Um, I don't expect anyone to have played all of these. If we haven't, then we can just give them a good acknowledgement, say well done to Amy for putting it in there, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and we'll keep moving with the conversation. But I, I think this is really, really important, and I think I'm really proud to sort of have this list. Um, so the Dragon Age series, obviously Dragon Age, particularly Dragon Age Inquisition, um, super, super LGBT from Bioware, super, super LGBT company. Yeah, I think in, in general with... Uh with anything Bioware, it's always a, a fantastic in terms of like representation and character choices. In um, I know like there are so many um, characters which are either 
gay or bisexual. I know one, specifically one that always rings out to me is um, Iron Bull. And mm. he's romanceable. It doesn't even matter who you are. <laughs> like he, he's, he's any opportunities he'll, he'll well, go in, for that. So. I, I think in Dragon Age too, um, the majority of the main cast were bisexual. Yeah, yeah. So you, you can really start to sort of go, and it's, it, obviously it's all choice. So mm. I, I think there's that whole sort of thing we had mentioned about earlier about life is strange. Like you can make these decisions. Um, I would like to get to a point I think where, and I think we are, but I'd like to get to a point where you are playing a gay character or a trans character, and you have to go and do mm. these things and I think that sort of is from an educational point of view it's mm. a bit more lived experiences I think, I think good choice is always a bit yeah, good it's, it, it's but good equally when, when you've got the opportunity and this crops up more in RPGs like Dragon Age mm. when you've got the, the choice to make your character gay by whatever but that's not really I don't really see that as like positive representation because the representation isn't necessarily there if you don't want to pursue that option um, I'm actually, um, I apologize in advance to Bioware. Um, I'm reading our own article. I should have done that. Um, for example, there's a, um, in Inquisition, um, one of the main characters, a male mage, could only be romanced by men. Dorian, right? Uh, Dorian, well done. Um, you've been reading the article as well. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's done sort of in a very, it, that is starting to sort of force, force those sort of... Um, options on people not forcing options sounded horrible you know what i mean <laughs> yeah okay um in so a positive lovely in a, way in a positive way yeah uh i i don't like the idea of, of forcing anything on <laughs> anyone um but i guess like if if there are going to be more games where the player character is um lgbtq mm. um and having those experiences like become part of the story um for me personally, it's more about uh, you know I'd rather just it, this is like an aspect of the character. Mm. It's not a focus of the actual game, but if it pops up in the story as like a byproduct and you you find out like later down the line, I think that's probably more engaging with uh, people playing the game rather than saying okay, this is the character. They're yeah. they're this. True. Um, like I think if it comes out authentically, um, yeah, you're right. Um, uh, but I I guess what I meant by forcing was the fact that as a as a gay man, mm -hmm. in if I were a character in a video game, and I would love that, by the way, but <laughs> if I was a character in a video game, I wouldn't want me to be able to have a choice over whether I sort of slept with men or women. Yeah. I, I am a mm -hmm. gay man. You are writing me as a gay man. Therefore, my option is men because that's what I do. I really think that comes down to the actual narrative and, and whether it's part of the, uh, you know, the, the story that they, they want to tell, really. True. But um, uh, with, with games that are open-ended, with the, the ability to create your character and, and, and put yourself in those shoes, I really think it's, it's about letting the player decide, have their choice. And I really think that's like the freedom that's there is actually such a, a positive thing that's mm. been a part of the, the, the gaming community in terms of, okay, when I was young, obviously, being trans, the only outlet that I had to experience um, any other kind of views is uh, I, I'll make myself a, a female character in a game and, like, having the opportunity to do that yeah. and having those open um, avenues mm. to explore is definitely really helpful. Like, say, there's somebody, like, in the middle of nowhere surrounded by, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, <laughs> demean anyone here but like say a very religious area or something Absolutely, like that yeah. 
um, giving them the ability yeah, to absolutely. Just, just explore yep. that is, uh, I think, is, is fantastic and, and is why Bioware has been so yeah. great at doing that. Absolutely. Um, next on the list, we have uh, read-only memories. Um, forget cyberpunk. It's read-only memories. That's yeah, your, that, the, that, or, the original cyberpunk. The original, exactly. <laughs> um, many, many uh, sexualities, very cyberpunky, futuristic. I, uh, yeah, I played some of this. It's actually... Um, fantastic in terms of uh, diversity and the amount of different types of characters that you you meet and interact with it's um kind of like an old school point and click mm-hmm. kind of adventure game where you're um exploring uh you're trying to like solve a mystery with a non-binary robot i think okay. which is uh which is which is very very cute i forget it's uh its name but you're trying to solve the disappearance of of its creator and you're one of your friends and uh, again, this is another game where it doesn't matter who you are. You you can decide what pronouns that you want to use, and you come across all different kinds of people. And we're not just talking like LGBTQ representation, but we're talking like transhumanism as mm. well, which is very obviously uh, applicable very to the cyberpunk yeah. genre. Yeah. Um, but I I found when I was playing it as well, it's like um, I I accidentally kind of like I guess it's like I misgendered a cat person. <laughs> <laughs> Which we all do that. Yeah, which being on that end, it's like uh, they were trying to find someone with a specific name which sounded cat-like, and I ended up talking to the cat person, and they got extremely offended. And I'm like, oh god, <laughs> what have I done? Oh no! How can I live with myself. Yeah, but it's like incredibly progressive, incredibly like uh, te- there's so many teachable moments in and the, that and too. And there is a reason for that, obviously, because it's been developed by Midboss, mm-hmm. uh, the company behind the fantastic GamerX. Uh, company and organization that promotes diversity itself yeah. in the US. They did uh, Summer of Pride as well, which they I did was Summer really of Pride, which you were part of, weren't you? Take part, and yeah, yeah, and that's I actually played um, their game. I actually played another game as well called um, One Night Hot Springs, which is an incredibly short, mm. uh, trans positive uh, game, which I encourage everybody to, to, to play that as well. Excellent. It's actually free, so cool. yeah, you, you have no excuse. <laughs> Everyone yeah. loves a free game. Exactly. Uh, next on the list is Life is Strange series. Um, we've obviously spoken about that in the last segment. Quite extensively. I'll repeat, hella gay. Yes, mm-hmm. particularly the prequel. Yeah. Um, super, super gay. Um, but also, I think the reason it made the list is because, okay, as we established in the vote of Game of the Year when nobody liked it, um, I think it is, you have to sort of say that at least it's on the queer games of the decade list, the whole series is, because of the fact it tells good stories, but it also brings that sort of narrative forward um, rather than it just, again, just being sort of a case of existing almost in a separate area this is actually a this is about a queer story so that's cool and i'm excited to see where don't nod their developers go next because obviously tell me why yeah the next game they're working on has, has a, trans a trans protagonist, protagonist. yeah oh i said them protagonist. Protagonist. protagonist not antagonist really ha- Protag- po- pos- we, we try to get positive. away from that yeah <laughs> not the trans antagonist. We, we went through that for so long oh yeah. we, don't, we don't we don't want the angry trans sort of like the evil trans person on mm-hmm. the side so like, no that's that's a that is a motif that's Although way I think overdone the, i think there's like a, a really fun like exploitation like grindhouse movie to to be done with that with like like a pissed <laughs> off trans person just taking their vengeance out on an, an oppressive society yeah like yeah. They're falling down but there's trans. one for you yeah <laughs> uh yeah like i'm really excited about this uh this new one that's coming out because the uh the the trans lead is actually being portrayed by a trans yep. actor as well yep. and it's and it's legitimately like you're saying it's this a trans story it's something that deals with the repercussions of this this uh trans man yeah. growing up and the things that he went through and the struggles and, it, and from the 
trailer that they released, it looks like it's going to be delving back into that actual experience and trying to communicate mm. what it's like to grow up uh, with not feeling like you're in the right body. And which that can, for an educational sort of purposes, that can only be a very, very good thing. Yeah, I think that's the real strength of, of video games offering mm. these other points of view, which other people may, which people may not have even thought about. So absolutely. Uh, next on the list, we have Extreme Meat Punks Forever. So I hadn't heard of this at all until it popped up on this list, and now I absolutely have to play it. Yeah. Because a game where you pilot giant mechs out made out of meat, and you're on a, a gay ass road trip, <laughs> just sounds incredible. Uh, even though it's like a visual novel, so you're not really playing as the meat robots, I guess. Yeah. Like it, it still sounds fantastic. But the story follows four gay disasters. That's, <laughs> that's a night out. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like my life. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, then we have uh, The Sims on the list. Obviously, The Sims, going way back, um, have always had these sort of LGBT options and well, stuff. Quite controversial when it first came Absolutely, out. Absolutely, yeah. Mid nineties, that was like, yeah. Throwing their arms up in air. If one million mums had Twitter, then they'd be mm. they'd be cancelling it left, right, and centre. Yeah, but one million mums don't even have one million mums. It's no, like it's about three rich white men, three so. three people shouting at each yeah. other in the south. Um, yeah, I mean, it obviously, it has been more developed over time. It obviously started out in the mid sort of nineties as just having those romance options, but now we're into proper mm-hmm. asexual territory, um, particularly with Sims Four polyamorous r- options, um, and it, it sort of is really still continuing to sort of push that queer envelope. I think the wonderful thing about it is that regardless of of what has been included, the LGBT options, like it's it's spread is so far and wide. Mm. that like it's 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 just accepted by everyone which i think is a testament to like how far absolutely we've come yeah. it, it, it's almost a metaphor isn't it for sort of relationship playing mm-hmm. there's you you read stories all the time and i certainly have of, of kids that have been growing up in their bedrooms playing sims trying to sort of live the life they want to live mm-hmm. whether that's um having a gay relationship or, or lesbian relationship or um is it a, I, I guess there's trans options in Sims, um, or I'm at least ways of dressing a woman as a man. Or I, I imagine there probably is in the more recent ones. I can't remember because, like, the last one I played, I think was Sims Two. Mm. Um, so I was I was living the life that I wanted to live with unlimited money. I guess that was the important <laughs> yes. thing to me at the time. So. <laughs> True, fair point. Um, butterfly soup. I'm going to be brutally honest. I I not it, this hasn't crossed my radar, um, but it's. It, it has moved sort of on, apparently, in, in the sort of queer game community, which obviously it has tried to move that on from uh, following sort of white male protagonists. You actually follow the story of four queer Asian-American high school girls um, who bond together thanks to being members of a baseball club. Um, another visual novel. Um, I think visual novels are really, really powerful for the LGBT community. I think it's also really useful. Um, it's, a, it's a really useful uh, medium for indie creators mm. because you don't necessarily need any coding skills uh you can if you've got the artistic and the literary skills to put it together yeah um it's a good way of like presenting a narrative in Mm. an interactive way i think that's part of the theory of why we were talking earlier of like how the ramp up of 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 queer focused video games has just gone up and up i mean the tools for making video games are so accessible now i mean there's multiple games on this list which are made by one creator by themselves doing everything and it's just that we've gone to the point where those stories can be told even if you just live alone in your bedroom with a single PC as long as... Because the tools are there. And it's very nice to see so many different voices being able to create these experiences that wouldn't have a chance 
Absolutely. And of course, there's platforms like Itch and stuff now as well, mm. where everyone can just publish whatever game they've just made. And I think that sort of is a really, pow- really powerful thing. It's nice that in a way we've kind of come full circle back to the, like the Commodore 64 Amstrad yeah. days. We had bedroom coders yeah. who'd mm-hmm. just be exactly. writing a game on the weekends yeah. after school. And whatever. I think just what you were saying about visual novels, that kind of falls out of the whole D&D thing as well, doesn't it? People going out, exploring, playing the game and telling the story that they want to tell. They can put that into a game and sort of just in, instead of, as you say, having to program a multitude of options, you're, it's, it's almost a case of just leading someone through the story that you want to tell. Yeah, it's kind of like you know, a visual choose your own adventure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, next on the list, we have uh, Dream Daddy. Yes, love and Dream Daddy. It's yes. so cute. Yeah. Okay. I, oh, it's like everything about Dream Daddy, from like the <laughs> aesthetic to the dialogue to like the way that your the characters like interact with each other mm. is just the cutest thing. When it first came on my radar, I thought my eyes rolled in my head, and I thought, oh, another mm. one, another dating sim, another. But the more you sort of get into it, actually, you realise it's done really, really well. Yeah, and really. Uh, I used this term earlier in regards to something else, but it, it still applies here. It's really wholesome. Like mm. e- even the dirtbag dad in it is mm. still like, oh, he's quite sympathetic, really. When you kind of like mm-hmm. uncover his backstory, absolutely. And I think having, I was going to say, <laughs> having the the sort of the kids involved as proper daddies, not necessarily. You think it's obviously daddy being daddy daddy, but this is actual real dad. But they are parents. They are yeah. actual parents. It, it moves that sort of conversation on to the yeah. sort of. It, the more 2010 kind of arena because mm-hmm. the 2010s has certainly seen around the world adoption being more commonplace um, and, and gay parents are, are really ramped up through the 2010s now and I think that sort of having that represented in a dating sim for LGBT people I think it's really positive yeah and also with the the character creator you could make I think every dad trans if you did their body with like um, if they were wearing a binder or not Oh yes. wow! Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I think that was an option in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, next on the list is Undertale. Um, absolute sensation uh, when it was released. Um, really, really unique visual style. Undertale. Yeah, I've. Um, I g- <laughs> that that was me going. <laughs> Mia, talk. <laughs> that was, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've I've played some of Undertale. It's uh, it's it's nice to see a game like again a game made by one person, yes. Toby Fox, and, yep. and just being able to. Um, explore a world and a story that wouldn't necessarily be told having a player character which never is given a gender I uh, mm-hmm. can't remember the character's name but it, you could literally be uh, it could be a boy or a girl it doesn't really matter in terms of the story yeah, either Alphys and Undyne uh, yes main, those, are the, yeah, mm-hmm. those are um, queer characters yes. in the actual game as well and it's uh, it's it's nice to see because like technically they're all monsters too because you're in a world of monsters um, but having having those characters there and, and and having those those again those experiences yeah, absolutely. um it, through the guise of even monsters have these kinds of relationships too it's incredibly sweet and i kind of feel bad about going on the run where i killed everybody <laughs> so, yeah. oh, we all need to get that out of our systems just, um, just, just personify each monster as like an x yes yeah, that's yeah. it yeah mm-hmm. that should be a game do, for the record i do not advocate killing your exes okay um, the Missing, J.J. Macfield, uh, Macfield, sorry, and the Island of Memories, uh, queer horror um, game, set very much in a kind of anime-ish uh, kind of style, um, but it has a very unique take on the fact that it's interesting and doesn't play into the bury your gaze trope. 
Yeah, it's a um, lesbian protagonist trying to save her girlfriend slash mm. love interest and um, keeps dying, but not in the way you'd necessarily Absolutely. Expect. I mean, having a lesbian protagonist is a, a, is an amazing start to start off with, to be honest with you, and that's why it obviously made the list. Um, uh, out of all the games on this list, by the way, like I've I've not I hadn't heard of this one before mm. I'd even started reading the list, but like being a uh, platformer with like this unique storytelling device with queer characters, this is definitely something that I'm going to be jumping into so very on the next, soon. On, on the next podcast that you're both on, <laughs> whenever that's going to be, and, yeah, I want you, thing. Matt, to report back on the um, extreme meat punk. Extreme meat punk, and I want Mia. You want I want you reporting back on the on the missing. Yes. Um, cool. Uh, Stardew Valley's next on the list. Obviously, it's one of those games that didn't Stardew Valley. It started off as just a thing, but then it had a DLC that turned it gay. We, we call them games. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> but the, just another game. Um, but then it had a DLC was, that sort of turned it gay. Well, um, I think it was essentially what we'd now call like early access for ages. Right. And okay. To be honest, I didn't give it much thought at the time because it just looked like an indie take on Harvest Moon. But it's obviously gone on to become, you know, a huge and deserved phenomenon yeah um but absolutely. now like you've got you've got end game content now where you can get married and it doesn't matter whether you marry a same-sex partner or not yep um which is nice yeah, mm -hmm. i know so many people who are vehemently in love with this game i've never played it myself but i've seen people play it and like being able to romance anyone in the town and like specifically have that freedom just to pick oh you're going to be the person mm that I, I try and form a relationship with. It doesn't matter like who you are, who, who you create yourself as. Because again, this is another game with character creation. Absolutely. So, but yeah. it, it's done in that sort of beautifully pixely kind of way. Yes. Like I, I love that we're in an age where these uh, these like retro SNES yeah, style exactly. pixel games are yeah. like so popular now. But they're still done really well, which you wouldn't be able to do on an old. That's mm. what I quite like is yes. the fact that it's pixely, but with the colors and the edges and the shading mm. and everything else. It's like, like additional it's a, it's a modern pixel game. Effects that you yeah. wouldn't have been able to do in the past. Uh, the next on the list is Borderlands series. We on gaming, I say we, I on gaming have spoken at length about Borderlands because I find, A, it's one of my favorite games and one of my favorite game series. It has been an amazing 10 years for them. Mm. Um, but they are by far one of the most diverse casts of characters yeah. um, in a series. Um, and I think it, it doesn't, it's not just an LGBT thing. I think across the board, there is good diversity across nearly all their characters. And to a point where I think one of their, um, there's a blog, on, there's a link online, there's, there's a blog written by one of their head writers, um, Anthony Birch. Um, uh, Gearbox's philosophy about diversity and inclusion um, is just captured. Mm -hmm. And it's a case of it's set in the future and we're all going to be nicer people. Mm -hmm. um, e even if you're shooting the heads off mutants. And totally, even yeah. if you're running around killing people. Yeah. And, and there are troubles. You're doing it nicely. And don't get me wrong, that there are, there are, it's not all sort of like sunshine and rainbows, obviously. There are some troublesome LGBT characters in there. There's, that there's one, um, oh, I can't remember his name. There's one from Borderlands 2 that was, he wasn't even on screen, it was in a side sort of thing. But it was, it was referenced that he was doing some experiments on um, other people. Um, and he was an LGBT person doing experiments on other people, and, and that in itself was sort of... It shows the lights and the darks, I guess, of all the characters, but mm. obviously the most recent one in Borderlands 3, we had Lorelei, um, who's our trans coffee-hunting uh, NPC. She's wonderful. With like, a foul I, mouth. Uh, I want, like, if I, could, if I could be in any video game, <laughs> I want Lorelei to take me out on a date, because um, she's <laughs> one of the better characters. But also voiced by a trans actor. Yeah, yes. Kieran um, yes. Strange. Kieran Strange, which is absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. Great for 
great for representation, great for the, the modern world. I love the representation, like, in the... And, and it really, like, came to a front in, in Borderlands 3. And again, it's another one of these games that it's not... Um, it's not like shoved in your face or anything like that. It's no, just part of the world, which is... We have an article online I, I wrote called Pride on Pandora, which is mm-hmm. about pretty much trying to find all the LGBT characters in, in Borderlands. Some of them, genuinely, if you missed a line of dialogue, mm-hmm. you wouldn't know they were LGBT. Mm. I had no idea Lorelai was trans until, yeah. <laughs> until you <laughs> told me today. So. Exactly. I mean, Sir Hammerlock only talks about his boyfriend once. Yes. Um, there's, um, and some of it even doesn't even happen on screen. There's, a, there's um, an echo recording conversation between... Uh, two characters um, I think it comes out in the pre-sequel where one of them references about going home to the other one mm-hmm. and again if, if you were just zoning out or too busy shooting someone while they were talking about that you would have just missed that and I think that's the authenticity yeah. that Borderlands has done really really well not in an insignificant way but just in a like I've said it and we're moving on kind of way yeah and there's I know there's a uh, discussion over whether Flack or FL4K is non-binary or not but be- just which seems to be born primarily from the fact that they use they, them pronouns, but I'm not sure if, like, he's a robot or mostly robot, so, like, does that count, or is it, like, a horrible binary ones and zeros pun? <laughs> I think it's... It, it, obviously, Lorelei was written as a trans character, mm-hmm. and it was voiced by a trans a- uh, actor, and that was a fact. Um, there has never been um, recognition from Gearbox about Flack, I think a lot of people have heard Flack being using uh, they and them pronouns and has and, and have put something on that that, that satisfies them and if, and if that's what they want to do that's what they want to do but that's, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's written from a position of he's definitely non-binary I just think they're being careful about um, representing a robot as as being um, non-gender based I guess is, is a thing uh, next on the list um, is Heaven Will Be Mine um, which is another done by visual novel. another visual novel um, which is about um, paving your own path towards the future you want, um, which sounds lovely. Um, Mass Effect, um, particularly Mass Effect Andromeda. Mass Effect is one Very of my controversial game. favorite series. <laughs> Andromeda, I never played, though, because so, <laughs> it was uh, incredibly glitchy and um, had some of the not great reviews i guess but in terms of what the series did it, the series has, has been fantastic much like um dragon age absolutely well, it's bioware again yeah ex- it? exactly so well done bioware, bioware. Yeah. Uh, but matt you were saying obviously the first point it was quite contentious yeah i mean I, th- I think a lot of the problems were more technological i mean as we saw um minor tangent here with uh, the problems with anthem when that launched and a lot of the discussion being the problem all coming down to the uh, the Frozen Byte engine that EA forces, I think, all of its development studios to yeah. use. Um, but then, in terms of actual content, um, there wasn't a huge amount of um, particularly male same-sex romantic partnerships until they added in um, JAL in mm. one of the t- uh, either a DLC or an update. I think so. Yeah. Mm. Sorry. Yeah. Um, no, you're absolutely right. I, I think it. it there had been a little bit of controversy as well about how homosexual relationships were com- were treated in comparison to their heterosexual counterparts in that game as well. Mm. But I think there's, I, I think we sort of have moved past that a little bit. On the um, on the positive side of that, I think it's it's definitely nice that there are characters in there that aren't just uh, bisexual characters who will just date you yes. no matter what. There are characters that yes. are 
like canonically gay, canonically yeah. lesbian, yeah. and will only go for their personal preference. Mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, it's really good to show that as well. Did you pick this? Then oh, um, yeah. unfortunately, if you want those romance options, you're gonna have to change that gender and uh, and you know explore that part of the story. Mia, was it um, Mass Effect Three that had um, that was the first one where you could have. Uh, male chef romancing a male I partner and then obviously a certain corner of the internet exploded over that. I think so. I, I think I'm not incredibly sure because I always went the femme chef route. Right. Um, but I think you, I think male chef could romance Garrus in that one if I'm not mistaken. I think some people did get upset over that. I think it was Garrus. Not quite sure. He's like the, um, I believe he's the Torian. I may have gone. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> No, 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 no. It's, a, oh, okay. it's an alien okay. race. Oh, okay. Turian, T U R I. Some would argue Turian's an alien race. Um, <laughs> next on the list, we have Saints Row. Now, that's just, I mean, we're not going to sort of linger on it all too long, but obviously, Saints Row has, it, it's weird to be on the list because obviously it has a very GTA thing, but I, I know that Saints Row. Or it is, started off as very a GTA yes. clone and then got and then like suddenly found just chaotic. Yeah, exactly. And they went down the parody of yourself route, which yeah. is kind of cool. But Saints Row is actually miles ahead of everyone else because their character creator allows um, much more sort of definition about um, your self presentation and stuff. So you mm. can have a male character with a female voice, for example. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did not know. Yeah, that. so you can sort of. This is probably ahead of Cyberpunk. 2077 coming out next year which has the full shebang mm-hmm. this actually is probably the precursor to that in a way that you can at least explore some of more um sort of definitions of yourself but particularly um, saints row 4 you could yes. do yeah anything mm-hmm. in the character creator i because you uh, and it's ridiculous you play as like a Saints Row member who's like become the president of the US yeah. despite being like the leader of a criminal syndicate. I mean, maybe that's not so yeah. far fetched now, but yeah. um, and yeah. like I was playing as essentially President Red Hulk. Well, you've, you've almost got a President Peach Hulk, yeah. but <laughs> oh god, sorry, Trumpy. Um, so that was that. Uh, <laughs> um, we're about to be shut down. Oh, um, so um, Night in the Woods is on the list. Um, a great, great game that uh, looks at the re- looks at repression of identity. Mm. Unfortunately, um, and swallowed in its does. own controversy with the creator recently. There is yes, mm. um, that is that, and how that goes for your mental health. Um, yes, there has been um, a breath of controversy about that, obviously with um, and and a tragic one as well. Absolutely, with, um, the absolutely. Well, with yeah, passing that's, exactly. That's um, yeah. I mean, it's it's unfortunate that such a an important game that happens on the list is also a victim almost of its own, of, of its own story about identity repression mm. and, and control. Um, and that is really sort of sad that almost it's, it's telling its own story in real life. Um, next on the list is the red strings club, which again is a bit cyberpunky mm. and it's a bit sort of, um, again, sort of visual novel, but has a really strong, um, look at mental health mm. issues around depression, social anxiety, um, and has quite a strong, uh, gay and trans element to it as well so i own this but confession i haven't actually played it yet um so it's one that i need to get to maybe over the new year if i've got a little Mm. break before reality kicks back in 
I've I've personally not played it either. I do know like aesthetically it's it's a gorgeous game mm. and um I've I've heard like such wonderful things about like the amount of like diverse characters that actually includes includes like trans narrative and uh, I think the the bartenders are, are yep. gay are yep. they yeah yep. and it's literally just you interacting with it's these how people. you tell the story exactly mm. yeah and you and the questions you ask I think are the most mm-hmm. important thing. and like learning about their lives not necessarily through like direct conversation but but yeah. things that are said and, and unsaid at the same time so. uh, and the last on the list is gone home which i loved um walking simulator mm. be damned um it's very intelligent and so it's a bit of a wankerish Spoiler. term <laughs> but uh like emotionally true in how it kind of presents mm-hmm. this narrative of um the protagonist's sister who you eventually learn has yeah. come out and it, it didn't go well and it's led to all this kind of like family and personal trauma and it just rings really true for mm. like anyone who had a not perfect coming out experience. Yes, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think you're right in, in that it is an incredibly intelligent game in the way that it, it tells that story. Um, for, for myself and, and many people, um, before you knew the hook and the reveal of Gone Home, um, for, for many people, uh, maybe just myself, but I've heard this from others as well, I thought it was a horror game for the longest time. It's definitely got that like mm. aesthetic to it. Yeah. yeah. And then over the course of the game, you slowly reveal, oh, this is what happened with this potential, with this sister character that you're, you're learning about, because um, I can't remember the main character's name, but you come home and you're finding notes and things that have been left behind by your sister mm. and is slowly revealing over time what happened to her. And for a while there, you can think, oh, is this is this something dark that's happening here? Is this is this is this a horror game? But no, you're just slowly learning. Oh, this is her coming out story. Yeah. This is her, and I don't know if I want to go into spoiler territory here. You should probably play the game. Play the game. Play the game. Play the game. Experience the game, yeah. it, and come back, and we can talk again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so that is our queer games of the decade. I think it's a really important list. I'm really proud to have done that. Um, we have obviously missed stuff. Um, and I think we have taken decisions in certain ways and we have made that list um, to start a conversation. If, if you are out there listening and want to tweet at us at Gaming Mag, um, tell us we've missed something, tell us about a game that you think should be on the list, read the article, please, online as well, comment online. Um, I'm just going to give Matt and me a one minute uh, to pitch me a game that should be on that list, in okay. their opinion. Well, I have... I have, uh, I've Two games, but I, I guess I can, <laughs> I, I can go for have the one. Two. Okay, well, I, I, I did want to mention like um, the strides that have been made in the AAA um, um, industry mm-hmm. in terms of gaming, because I know that a lot of the games that we mentioned were indie titles. Um, but to have uh, a gay character, as much as I, I'm not a fan of uh, Activision Blizzard's uh, recent moves, um, to have like a gay character be the forefront mascot of a mm. game like Overwatch, I think is incredibly important. is is such a big step um, in terms of of gaming. And again, it may be a bit like J.K. Rowling how they reveal some of that no, stuff. No, no, you're right. no, you are right. And I, I think Overwatch was on our shortlist. Mm. Um, I think we ruled it out because of the fact that it was sort of done as a bit of yeah. a flip back. Yeah. Like oh, by the way, now he's gay, and oh, by the way, she's gay. Mm-hmm. So I think, y- but. The, 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 you're absolutely right in what you said for, for history mm-hmm. no matter how that story was told there will always be a game that came out with a lesbian on the front cover Yeah, and I think that is something that history will remember I think I'm, it'll be particularly interesting to see what they do with Overwatch 2 which is yes. going to have a narrative yes. and how exactly. they, 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 they possibly can claw this back yeah. on, on Overwatch because 2 well, one of the problems with Overwatch 
and its backstory is, is essentially the same problem for Rise of Skywalker. Half the important stuff takes place in supplemental material that isn't actually mm, directly presented exactly. to the viewer or the player. Exactly. So if you want to know that Trace is a lesbian, you've got to read an online comic. I will make one extra um, entry into that. Yep. And I will say um, it's not a game itself, but it was a, um expansion DLC. Mm -hmm. And that's The the Last of Us uh, Left Behind. Yes. Um, yes. This is not like Overwatch where it was a J.K. Rowling moment <laughs> where they revealed stuff afterwards. Like Ellie was always supposed to be a gay character. Yeah. And and having that um, basically explore that story of, of, of her and her friendship and her her like gay romance with uh, this other teen uh, was quite impactful, especially in the AAA industry. Mm. And moving forward, besides from the potential problems that might come up with Last of Us 2, um, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, a, a gay female character be the protagonist Absolutely. of a AAA game. Yeah. And, and it looks like people are mostly accepting of that and are going to be playing it regardless. Mm. So um, that gives me a lot of hope. So. Excellent. Matt, pitch me your what myth, what have you missed off the list. So I, I'm going to throw in a little bit of a curveball, throw okay. in one of, of the Millennium. Oh, it came okay. out, it came game out, of the Millennium. Game, well, mm. uh, so it came out before 2010. It, it came out in, in 2000, so it's, it's even then. It's not a game of the decade, then, is it? Well, it, it, I think it's still important. It All doesn't right, get okay, talked about enough. Um, Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> 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 um, no, it's um, The Longest Journey. Um, which is an incredibly well-written point-and-click adventure, mm. um, and it had, uh, and this is you know, twenty years ago, had um, a prominent lesbian married couple who talked about how passionate their relationship was, um, and I think that was one of the the forerunners to more visibility of you know queer people in games. It wasn't a background kiss. It wasn't yeah, like yeah, a yeah. nod. It was like two very important characters in the opening third of the game that you can have like long deep conversations with who talk about their love for each other they explicitly use the term wife and married yeah um and it was treated as the most natural thing in the world Excellent. and that really laid the groundwork for the games that followed in the 20 years since absolutely I mean, and we spoke about it enough already about how the last 10 years certainly has seen an explosion in in those games um that's it. I mean, that's our games of the decade. Please go and read that list, comment on millennium. it, like it, share it. Oh, okay, millennium. <laughs> and yeah, okay, G games of the decade plus one. Um, yeah, like it, tweet about it, share it, talk about it, go out, buy them, enjoy them, celebrate them. Um, I think 2020 stands to be an amazing year um, mm. of LGBT video gaming. I think there's so much that's already lining up. 2019 was a really good year, I think, um, games wise, let's say. Um, and I think 2020 stands to be a very, very good year coming up as well. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, that is the end of the episode, and that is the end of the year. Um, a big thank you to my guests, Matt and Mia, and an even bigger thank you to you all for listening. We're going to be back in two weeks' time in 2020 uh, with our first episode of 2020. Uh, but in the meantime, keep up with all the LGBTQ video gaming stories on Gaming Magazine, and be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter so you don't miss any of these amazing stories. We are at Gaming Mag, G-A-Y-M-I-N-G Mag. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any of our new episodes and you can check out all the episodes that we've done previously. See you in 2020. Goodbye. Bye. Bye for now.